0: Please open your Bibles to the book of Ezekiel, chapter 1. Let's pray. Father, it's good to sing of your praise and truths about you, what you've done for us, and our eternal relationship with you. It is also good for us to worship you by looking at your word. Draw us near to yourself, please, in Jesus' name. Amen. It is not difficult to appreciate beauty. Take a look at this picture here of a lake with the backdrop of a snow-capped mountain, or at least that's what it looks like to me anyway. It's beautiful. It's not hard to appreciate that. If you were actually in that scene, I can imagine everything in you Either relaxing because of how beautiful it is, or being keyed up by how beautiful it is. There's also uh, sunset scenes like this. You don't have to work at enjoying that. When you see a canyon like this, it does something to you to see that. You don't have to work hard at it. Our task this morning is an easy one. As we look through a number of Bible passages this morning, we want to gain a glimpse of God's glory and worship Him. Having a clear view of the majestic glory of God prepares us to stand in awe of Him. Seeing God as He is, as glorious, mighty, wise... Holy, righteous, and just helps us to understand His rightful place as our judge. There is a challenge to us, however, as God's people. We do believe God's Word. We believe just what God says about Himself. But sometimes, our view of God is a drive-by view or a view from a distance. Jeremiah makes this statement in Jeremiah 23. Am I a God at hand, declares the Lord, and not a God far away? Can a man hide himself in secret places so that I cannot see him, declares the Lord? Do I not fill heaven and earth, declares the Lord? In the book of Isaiah, which we'll look at in just a little bit, we're going to hear Isaiah describing a scene of God, and and he says that the whole earth is filled with God's glory. God is a God out there, but He is also a God at hand. What I want to do together this morning is to gain an up-close look at God's visible presence as described by three men of God. Because a distant view of God does not have the impact that is needed. You can know all of the attributes of God, and if you do not have an intimate view of Him, those thoughts on His perfections will not have the right result in your life and in mine. Yesterday, I had the perfect opportunity to see this challenge with a different set of eyes as I was flying up the coast of Virginia. Now, generally speaking, I get an aisle seat because I have more room. I can kind of hang out into the aisle a little bit, stick my leg out in the aisle. I try to have an aisle seat. Yesterday, I was at a, at a window seat, and I was really ended up being very glad, despite the fact that the person to my right was taking up more than their fair share of room. <laughs> I just turned my body and looked out the window but as I was beholding this, um, as I've been meditating on these concepts all the last couple of weeks, I, I looked and, I, and I, I saw this scene, and it, and it reminded me of what we're talking about. Take a look at that. You see all the detail? Now, none of us, I don't think, are in the market to buy a yacht. I understand that, but just for the sake of illustration and argument, I want you to think that you have a spare $275 million to spend on a super yacht. Which one of these would you buy? Would you buy that one right there? Can you, can you see the, that one? Can you, can, would you buy that one? What do you think? $275 million. You cannot take a closer look. Right now decide whether you're going to spend that more than a quarter of a billion dollars on your super yacht. Yes or no, now. Of course, no one, no one would. How about after you see these pictures? It's just a small little master bedroom. Now again, I know this is beyond us. None of us are buying anything like this. We're theorizing. No one would buy it without a glimpse If someone were spending money on something like this, and they saw those views, it may be compelling to do so. Until uh, we get a chance to see something in detail, buying it is out of the question. We're not going to invest ourselves in it. Until we gain a proper view of who God is, we will not, we will not worship Him. And so what I want for us to do in these next moments is to look at what God has declared to us about His physical, visible presence through the visions of three men of God. First, we'll look at Ezekiel's vision, then Isaiah's vision, and then finally the Apostle John's vision And they each give us a unique vantage point. As we approach Ezekiel's vision, what we will see is the the underside of God's chariot throne. He will show us the cherubim underneath the chariot throne of Almighty God. This is what Ezekiel will show us. And then, in a few moments, we'll look at Isaiah's vision, and he'll show us the view from above with the seraphim, above the chariot throne of Almighty God. And then finally from the Apostle John, he's going to show us what's taking place in the midst of this chariot throne of God. And so we'll see from three angles what God has described about His very presence. And the purpose of this is not to dive into details and figure out nuances, but to gain a glimpse of how God has revealed Himself so that we'll recognize that He is real, that His glory is majestic, that His holiness is astounding, and that people like us should bow before Him, should reverence before Him. And to recognize the God who was out there is the God who is here now. And the God who was out there, as described in these visions, is a God in us if we know Jesus Christ as Savior. These, these distant visions need to be present visions. So first, Ezekiel's vision of the cherubim underneath the chariot throne of Almighty God. It's a lengthy passage. Let's take a look, please, beginning in verse 3. The word of the Lord came to Ezekiel the priest, the son of uh, Buzi in the land of the Chaldeans, by the uh, Kibar Canal, and the hand of the Lord was upon him there. As I looked, behold, a stormy wind came out of the north and a great cloud with brightness around it and fire flashing forth continually. And in the midst of the fire, as it were, gleaming metal. And from the midst of it came the likeness of the four living creatures. And this was their appearance. They had a human likeness. But each had four faces, and each of them had four wings. Their legs were straight, and the soles of their feet were like the soles of a calf's And they sparkled like burnished bronze. Under their wings, on their four sides, they had human hands. And the four had their faces, and their wings thus. Their wings touched one another. Each of them went straight forward without turning as they went. As for the likeness of their faces, each had a human face. The four had the face of a lion on the right side. The four had the face of an ox on the left side. The four had the face of an eagle. Such were their faces, and their wings were spread out above. Each creature had two wings, each of which touched the wing of another, while two wings covered their bodies. And each went straight forward. Wherever the spirit would go, they went without turning as they went. As for the likeness of the living creatures, their appearance was like burning coals of fire, like the appearance of torches moving to and fro among the living creatures. And the fire was bright, and out of the fire went forth lightning. And the living creatures darted to and fro like the appearance of a flash of lightning. Now, as I looked at the living creatures, I saw a wheel on the earth beside the living creatures, one for each of the four of them. As for the appearance of the wheels and their construction, their appearance was like the gleaming of Burl. And the four had the same likeness, their appearance and construction being as it were a wheel within a wheel. When they went they went in any of their four directions without turning as they went. And their rims were tall and awesome, and the rims of all four were full of eyes all around. And when the living creatures went, the wheels went beside them. And when the living creatures rose from the earth, the wheels rose. Wherever the Spirit wanted to go, they went. And the wheels rose along with them for the spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels. When those went, these went, and when those stood, these stood. When those rose from the earth, the wheels rose along with them, for the spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels. (laughs) This is a spectacular vision. And so far, we're only talking about some creatures underneath. In a moment, Ezekiel will start to cast his gaze up from the spectacular vision of the angels with their wings touching forming a square and their legs straight demonstrating strength the 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 darting of flashing and and torches All of this with wheels. Wheels with with eyes all around. Wheels within wheels. But they don't turn. There's no turning of the wheels. It's a a wheel within a wheel. It goes this way. It goes this way. Their faces don't turn. They go in four directions. Straight, back, side, side. This, This is just weird. Verse 22. Over the heads of the living creatures, there was the likeness of an expanse shining like awe-inspiring crystals spread out above their heads. And under the expanse, their wings were stretched out straight, one toward another. And each creature had two wings covering its body. And when they went, I heard the sound of their wings, like the sound of many waters, like the sound of the Almighty, a sound of tumult, like the sound of an army. When they stood still, they let down their wings. And there came a voice, from above the expanse over their heads and when they stood still they let down their wings and above the expanse over their heads there was the likeness of a throne in appearance like sapphire and seated above the likeness of the throne was a likeness of a uh, of with a human appearance and above Excuse me. And upward from what had the appearance of his waist, I saw, as it were, gleaming metal, like the appearance of fire enclosed all around. And downward from what had the appearance of his waist, I saw, as it were, the appearance of fire. And there was brightness around him, like the appearance of the bow that was in the cloud on the day of rain, so was the appearance of the brightness all around. Such was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And when I saw it, I fell on my face and I heard the voice of one speaking. Now, I tried to emphasize what seemed like, an appearance kind of like, an appearance like, it was like this and like that. It's like a teenager talking. But not because, not for lack of a better words, not because they were using filler words, but here Ezekiel is trying to express to you, this scene was too great to actually describe properly. So I want to just give you the best I can do. The best I can do is, this is what these angels looked like underneath the throne. This is what the, the, the torches and the and the, the darting looked like. And this is what these wheels were like. And this is this expanse over their head that, that was... Was there and then above, above that expanse, this thing that was kind of like a throne and some of that had a, a human appearance and kind of like a waist and upward and, and downward, and he's trying to give us this, this, this vision that was so breathtaking that he really couldn't describe it entirely. We recognize that these beings underneath the expanse are cherubim, it makes it clear in chapter 10 of the book of Ezekiel. He sees a vision of God. It's vivid. And we can't pull apart all of the details. I don't even think that's the point of of it. Ezekiel sees this vision of these four living creatures. They have the appearance of a man. They each have four faces. They have four wings. Their legs are straight. They they won't buckle under the weight of this chariot throne. Their feet were like um, the feet of a calf or feet of calves. Um, maybe maybe it indicates that they are steady on their feet as they're able to, to move from place to place. Or maybe it's because they have a split hoof and, hoof and they're clean animals. They were shining in radiance, like highly polished bronze. They had the heads of a man on each side, a, a hand, excuse me, the hands of, of a man under each wing. Their wings touched one another very much like the the cherubs over the top of the mercy seat. They didn't turn as they went. They each had four faces. The face of a man. Maybe that indicates intelligence. Maybe it indicates the crowning jewel of God's creation. The face of a lion. Power. The king of wild beasts. The face of an ox. Maybe indicating service. Uh, Strength. The face of an eagle. Maybe swiftness. He's the Lord of the birds. Their wings uh, touch one another to form a square, unless they have differently shaped wings. Um, The two wings, that, when they're not flying, are covering their body. What's that about? Some form of demonstrating humility and worship. They were empowered by a spirit. I would say the Spirit of God. Can't be definitive on that, but I would say where the Spirit of God wants them to go, they go. And the Spirit of God is conveying what the Father on the throne is conveying to them. Their appearance was bright like coals of fire, like burning torches. Beside each living creature was a wheel, golden green, illuminated maybe like a jewel. It was a wheel in the midst of a wheel, um, and, and I really think somehow it's, it's a wheel and a wheel like this, so you can go north, south, east, and west. No turning. They went in four directions. The rims had eyes all around. What is the point of that? Well, in chapter 10, it tells us they had eyes all around them on their body as well. There was, no matter what was going on, these living creatures, these cherubim, would be able to see their surroundings. Verses 19 through 21 describes the unity in which the wheels and the cherubim move. They're not uh, out of sync. Verses 22 to 25 describe a firmament or a, an expanse above their heads. We have the bottom view, the, the underneath view of this expanse. Verses 26 to 28 describe. The awesome presence of God seated on a throne above these angels. And the best He could do, the best the Spirit wanted Him to do for us, He looks like a man on a throne and He was radiantly, gloriously bright and colorful. And what was Ezekiel's response. What what was his response to this vision? Verse 28. Like the appearance of a bow that is in the cloud on a day of rain, so was the appearance of the brightness all around. Such was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And when I saw it... Will you read with me? I fell on my face. I fell on my face. He bowed down in utter... Total worship. Let's take a look at Isaiah, please. Isaiah chapter 6. And now we, we, we leave the, the underside of this chariot throne. And now we rise up above and Isaiah gives us the view from up top. We're looking downward now as God will, through Isaiah, describe the scene with seraphim Above the chariot throne of God. Verse 1 of Isaiah chapter 6. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up. And the throne of His robe filled the temple. Above Him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two He covered His face. And with two He covered His feet. And with two He flew. the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. So we have a different order of angels now. Instead of cherubs, we have seraphs. You want the old way? Cherubim and seraphim. Six wings flying continuously, singing continuously, and their positioning above the throne of God. We'll try to make some more observations on this text if time will permit later on. But our view here is Isaiah describing this and recognizing the positioning of the angels and Isaiah's response What is Isaiah's response in verse 5? Woe is me, for I am undone, or I am lost. I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. This is what happens when we see the truth of who God is. We see Him in His glory. We see Him in His majesty. We see Him in His holiness. And we see ourselves as everything other than that. This is what happens when we draw in here, into the presence, is we see our frailty and our sin and our undoneness. Isaiah realized his sin because he saw the glorious holiness of God. Now take a look, please, at the book of Revelation. We'll make some more observations about those texts in a minute, just in short order. Revelation chapter 4. Here in Revelation 4, John is called up into the presence of God, and he's going to describe the the straight-on look, the the head-on look from the midst of the throne, around the throne, not under the throne, not over the throne, straight on in the throne. We want to see what John has to say as he's led by the Spirit to convey what God has revealed to him. Revelation 4.1 After this I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven, and the first voice which I had heard speaking to me like a trumpeter said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. And at once I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne stood in heaven with one seated on the throne. And he who sat there had the appearance of jasper and carnelian, and around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. Around the throne were 24 thrones, and seated on the thrones were 24 elders clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder. And before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. Can you, can you, can you grasp this? Have you been outside on a, a clear, not a clear, on a summer night and, and seen, have you seen, the thunder, the the lightning striking. Have you seen it? It's tough to take your eyes off of it. The power that is associated with that lightning striking down. You're kind of hoping it doesn't hit your house. You're kind of hoping it doesn't hit a tree right near your house. But you can't take your eyes off of it. Uh, I've I've been driving from Pensacola, Florida, 27 stinking hours, and and you can see. From from a distance, a lightning storm. And it is breathtaking. And here, John is saying, I'm I'm in the presence of God. And there's this throne straight ahead. And there are these, these spectacular flashes of lightning. And rumblings and peals of thunder. And seven dancing torches, this is, this is the best we get. This is what God is revealing to us about the physical, visible presence. Verse 6, and before the throne there was, as it were, a sea of glass. Where, where is this? Before the throne. Before the throne, a sea of glass. Before we saw this expanse above the angels, now we see it before the throne. Holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And whenever the light uh, living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to Him who is seated on the throne who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before Him who is seated on the throne and worship Him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne saying, Worthy are You, O Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for You created all things and by Your will they existed and were created. Verse 3 describes the gleaming array of color that Ezekiel described when he looked above the firmament, above the cherubim. Verse 6, the four. Creatures are above the crystal sea of glass. These creatures have eyes in front and back all around. Again, it's one of a lion, one of a calf, one of a man, one of an eagle. These creatures have six wings. We could get into all the details. That's not the point for this morning. What is the response of the beings in the presence of God? There's one word. Worship. There's another word, humility. There's another word, reverence. There's another word, awe. Awe. These creatures are in the visible presence of the God who created all things and sustains all things. And redeems a people for himself. They're in his presence, and their response is to bow down and to worship him. We're not going to reread Ezekiel passage, Isaiah passage, or this Revelation passage. I want for us to make a number of observations. You have a, a handout, you can fill these blanks in. There's a in the side room over here a way to fill them out if, if you miss them. If, if your focus is on the piece of paper, you're, it's, not, it's not the goal. Okay? The, the goal is not note-taking. The goal is to understand this God in the presence of Ezekiel, in the presence of Isaiah, in the presence of the Apostle John, in these visions God gives to them, for them, for us. Notice that God is holy. That is abundantly clear in both Isaiah and Revelation. Throughout the duration, I think we can easily make the conclusion that God is glorious. We also must make the observation, rightly, that God is present. The whole earth is full of His glory. We have to observe that God is sovereign ruler. In Revelation 4.8, it says He's the Lord God Almighty. We must make the observation that He is the ruler of the armies. The Lord of hosts is His name. God is a redeeming God. To Isaiah's response of God's glory, I'm undone. I'm unclean. My lips are unclean. My people are unclean. Everything I know is unclean compared to what I'm seeing here. To that, God sends an angel to take a coal and to put it on his lips to say his sin is gone. His guilt is gone. His sin is atoned for. This is a redeeming God. This this is a sending God. Who will go for us? Here am I. Send me, and God sends Isaiah on a mission to tell people of His holiness, of His glory, of His majesty. God is a sending God. God is a seeing God. With plenty of emphasis on the eyes. (laughs) It kind of freaks you out to think about all the eyes. God knows. He sees. God is a speaking God. When the, the voice came from above the expanse, the angel's wings went down. God is gloriously bright and beautiful. If you don't get that from Ezekiel and Revelation and Isaiah, then you're you're missing you're missing it. God is gloriously bright, He's radiant, and He's spectacularly beautiful. Like nothing you've ever seen before. All the handiwork that he makes is just a little glimpse of how beautiful God is. God is eternal. Revelation 4 lets us know about that. He was and is and is to come. God is creator in Revelation 4:11. God is the sustainer in Revelation 4:11. And God is, God is worthy of worship. I will read that passage again. Verse 9 of Revelation 4. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne saying, Worthy, worthy. Worthy are you, O Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they existed and were created. The Bible presents God as high and lifted up. The God that is on display in these visionary encounters is the God who is present here this morning. He's here. If you know God... Through a saving relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, He is with you wherever you go. When you wake up tomorrow morning, this God is there. When you drive to work, this God is there. When you're having a conversation with your spouse, this God is there. When you're irritated with your parents, this God is there. When you're surfing the internet, this God is there. When you're pressing the up and down channel button on your television, this God is there when you're trying to share the gospel with a neighbor, this God is there. When you come together to worship God. And we have songs on a screen and a wonderful group up here trying to help us. It's not about them. It's not about the screens. It's not about comfortable chairs and a nice building. It's not about having air conditioning. This God is there. Will you worship Him? Will you worship Him here? Will you worship Him there? Will you worship Him tomorrow morning? Tomorrow afternoon? Tuesday morning? Tuesday afternoon? Whenever we think through these types of issues... We cannot leave the way we arrived. I want to challenge you right now where you're seated in the quietness of the next few moments. I want to challenge you to talk with God. Talk to Him and ask Him to help you. I'll do the same to have a more conscious awareness of His glorious presence throughout the course of my ordinary day. Let's take just a couple of moments. We're not done. We're pausing. Take a couple of moments now and talk with your God. Friends, when your God is way over there, you'll worship Him occasionally. And you'll worship a whole bunch of other stuff in between. When the God who is your God, you know Him to be present. When you are consciously, when I am consciously aware of His presence, I will worship Him in that moment. You cannot know God and not worship Him when you are consciously aware of Him. I want to share with you a quote from A.W. Tozer. He wrote, The spiritual giants of old were those who at some time became acutely conscious of the presence of God. They maintained that consciousness for the rest of their lives. How otherwise can the saints and prophets be explained? How otherwise can we account for the amazing power for good they have exercised over countless generations? Is it not that indeed they had become friends? Friends of God? Is it not that they walked in conscious communion with the real presence and address their prayers to God with artless conviction that they were truly addressing someone actually there? He's there, friends. I know you know it. I know I know it. But there are times for everyone in this room that we're just doing the flyover, and we look down and we say, Huh. Look how small all that looks. Look how small all that is. I wonder what that is. I wonder where my house is. I wonder where the church is. I wonder, is that Walmart? You look around. What what is all of that stuff down there? But That's not the way it needs to be with God. He's revealed himself. And this one he's revealed himself to be, he is present. I need simply remind myself and beg God to remind me that I would experience His presence, understand His presence, and live in accordance with His presence. You know when you're living that way, when you're thinking that way, when you're worshiping that way, there is not a better sense of refreshment to your soul. There's nothing. There's nothing that competes with it. It's easy in the church building. It's easy in a Bible study setting. It's easy when you're all alone with your Bible open. But there are so many other settings that we go through in the course of a week. Lord, help me to know that You're there. And to live, live out my life consciously aware that You are with me.